Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome back to Profit First Nation, my entrepreneurial friends. Today, we are going to walk through the eight steps on how to productize your service and turn it into a new revenue stream. So if you have a service-based business, we're gonna take something in your business and make a product out of it. And if you already have a product-based business, this is actually gonna be a, a cool process to go through to maybe create another new product in your business. Uh, so I'm excited to dive into this. I do wanna say that, uh, you know, a lot of my examples are like my real life examples. I'm a fellow entrepreneur. I have multiple businesses uh, that do over $50 million a year in real revenue. So, you know, when I'm walking you through these things, these are the things that I have done in my businesses to make the magic happen and be a super profitable business while also continuing to grow those businesses and scale them with, of course, five-star employees. Uh, and then we bring in other examples from you know people on the podcast. So our last episode was with Renee Moore and actually Renee went through this process with us and productized her business. So I'll be throwing in some examples there. Remember Renee from the last episode is the owner of Canine Craze. It was a service-based business, still a service-based business in, in Iowa where she provided dog training services. And uh, she productized her business by converting her dog training in-person service-based business into a product, uh, Dog Perfect which and Puppy Perfect, which you can buy online as a product to teach you from home how to make your naughty dog perfect. So um, kind of cool how we are now taking this to the next level with this episode. So let's dive in. First thing I'm gonna do is just kind of give you the eight steps here and then we'll dive into each step. So step number one is to niche down. Step number two is to find your TVR. Now, I really, you know me, don't like acronyms so much, but, uh, but, but TVR is uh, kind of a mouthful, but it's important to say it this way. So it's your teachable, valuable, and repeatable aspects of your business. So teachable, valuable, and repeatable. So we will default to TVR for, for this episode, but I'll try to repeat it doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but that's what it is. Uh, step number three is defining your quarter inch hole. And step four is branding it. Step number five is listing the ingredients. Step number six is getting preemptive about objectives, excuse me, getting preemptive about objections. And number seven is to price it. Remember, there's only two ways to increase profitability, increase margin and decrease expenses. So we want to price it with a good healthy margin. And step number eight is to manufacture scarcity, which is that urgency to buy, right? Okay, so diving in and going a little bit deeper on uh, step number one. 
So step number one in how to productize your service to turn it into a new stream of revenue is to niche down. And so what we mean by niching down is, you know, peeling back the layers when we try and this is I don't know this this is probably the hardest part and until you experience it and you and you believe it but you know we we tend to avoid niching down but i'd like to remind you that you know the niches are in the the riches are in the niches and it is absolutely true you will be richer the further you niche down and what do i mean by that so when you try to serve everyone you kind of serve everyone okay. But when you really niche down, and I'm talking about niching down to super, almost microscopic levels, then you really become the subject matter expert because no one around you is doing what you're doing to serve this really small audience. And, and let's be honest, I mean, you know, to, to have a profitable business, and 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 such i mean you and and at a healthy price point you don't need a hundred thousand customers you know you let, let's start with thinking about like how can i serve 50 people how could i serve a hundred people how could i serve a thousand people how could i serve five thousand people ten thousand people again we're not talking about mcdonald's and serving billions of people here so really to niche down there's some things that you can think about and so that you are really focused um on the audience that you serve and creating a product that is specific to talking to the biggest problem that your specific audience faces. So when you talk about niching down, there are five areas that you, you should evaluate and kind of like nail down how you, who you're going to serve. So the first thing is, is to, is to determine the demographics of the group that you want to serve. So just, you know, age, gender, income, uh, and, and remember, we can't serve everyone. So why don't we serve the people that have the deepest pockets, the people who are willing to pay, pay a premium? All right. So I'd like all of you guys to be serving people, um, in the higher income or the more, more, more disposable income range. Then, um, you know, if you're, if you're serving businesses, what are the firmographics? You know, where, what's the company size? What's the industry? So, you know, for our construction material business, for example, we only serve large subcontractors and large general contractors. Uh, and, and, and we don't serve anyone else. All right. Um, it, it, it just, it just makes sense to, to do it this way. Um, and then we also don't serve everything in the construction industry. We have picked, you know, specific trades that we serve in the construction industry. Um, we, we serve specifically eight trades and, and, and we could serve 20, 25 trades, but we have narrowed it down and said, you know, we are going to serve only large subcontractors, large general contractors and, the price point of these people is in 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 huge numbers, um, and, uh, and and we're only going to serve in these eight sp construction specialties. All right, um, you want to consider life stage, so or or business stage. Where are they? Um, 
company life stage as well. So you're, you're, you're targeting not only the business, but you're also targeting the owner of that business, that person who's going to make the buying decision. So, you know, it, go, it goes both ways if you're serving businesses. Now, obviously, if you're serving individuals, um, then you can just delete here what we're talking about targeting the companies and such. And then um, number five, you want to look at the psychographics. So, you know, what are their motivations? What are the personality traits? You know, how can you really um, kind of get at them at the core um, of, of what they need and what they want? So step number one, you want to niche, niche down um, really, really tight as, as you can. You know, Renee and I talked about, um, she kind of wanted to get it started, but, you know, she's actually going to be niching down further. Um, and, and so it's okay, like, to get things going. And so she wanted to get, like, everything worked out with, with Dog Perfect. So she served a variety of dogs, but now that she's kind of gotten you know, how, how, how to deliver this, uh, this product that was formerly a service, she is going to create specialty, uh, products for specific breeds of dogs. Um, and that will, you know, get that more niche down. And so when people are searching how to train a German shepherd from home, you know, she's going to come up at the top of the list because she is not just offering, a product to train dogs, but she's offering a product to train German shepherds from home. Okay. The step number two is the find your TVR. So sorry, I always laugh when I am having to grit and bear uh, an acronym because the world doesn't need another acronym. But this one is, you know, you need to be teachable, valuable, and repeatable. So what I want you to do is, um, and, and we've got a graphic for this. So if you are watching on YouTube, great. Um, if, if not, uh, we'll have a resource available for this episode. Uh, remember, you can get the, the resources for our episode sent to you with uh, every new episode. Just go to Profit First Nation and click on contact and there you will be able to opt in to receive our resources that come out with episodes either via email or text. So go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact. So what you want to do is in finding your uh, teachable, valuable, and repeatable aspect of your business, you're going to want to create a matrix and you're going to list your products or existing services now in one column. Then you're going to have, you know, you're going to score it on a, on a, on a scale of one to 10. How teachable is it? How much, how can you teach it to others so that they can teach it? I mean, you're not the one having to do it all. And then how valuable is it to your target audience? Um, and then uh, you'll score that on a scale of one to 10. And then how much is it repeatable? Um, and you'll score that on a scale of one to 10. And then you'll total up those columns, teachable, valuable, and repeatable. And then the one that scores the highest is the one that you're going to focus on first in terms of taking that service and productizing it. So in this real life example of a photography business, you know, they have weddings, they have baseball teams or sport teams that they, that they shoot, they have corporate events, and then they have school photos. And, you know, School photos is is 27, per, 27 points. Um, the next one is 21 points. So school photos is the one that, you know, this company should focus on in terms of productizing that service. 
Step number three is defining your quarter inch hole. We've talked about this before. I love this analogy. If I need a quarter inch hole, I want to buy a quarter inch hole. I don't want to have to buy the tool, the drill and the drill bit to make the quarter inch hole. I would just like the quarter inch hole handed to me on the piece of wood or wherever I need it. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? So, you know, what is your quarter inch hole and what are the benefits of, of buying the hole instead of buying the tools and the accessories to make the hole? All right. So step number three is defining your quarter inch hole and just, you know, how can you kind of just hand it to them as complete as possible? Step number four is you've got to brand it. So uh, branding is really important. You want to be as literal to a certain degree as as possible. Um, you know, it's fun to get fancy and such, but I mean, let's think about it. Things that are just tell you like it is what it is, um, like an emergency taco kit. Well, I I, I got a good sense of that. Um, but if I called that Felipe special, I, I don't know if I would know what Felipe special in a box is, right? So emergency taco kit works better because it's very literal. Here's, here's, here's an example of what not to do. I mean, you know, it's crazy. I think we've all seen these uh, pharmaceutical ads on TV and they have these like crazy exotic made up names that make them sound like the miracle that they are. But what's so funny is, is they're, you know, advertising it and, blah, 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 blah. and then I'm like, what is it even for? Like, I, like, I don't even know what, Aluma is or Paraxawala. It's just, I still don't know what it's for. I just see happy people dancing, right? That's a pharmaceutical commercial. So don't do what the pharmaceutical companies do. Don't call it something that you just don't understand. It's too exotic to understand what it actually means. Try to be as literal as possible in terms of what you name your product. Because right there, if, 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 if when they hear your product and it solves the, solves their problem, they're gonna be ready to buy it with cash in hand. Step number five is to list your ingredients. So if you are selling an emergency taco kit, uh, you know, what, what is in that emergency taco kit? Uh, you want to list your ingredients there. So when we sell, um, for example, with the all-in company, we have a hiring system overhaul. And uh, boy, do you get a lot, a lot with that. Um, and it is a complete package, but we list out the 25 plus tangible assets that you get with the all-in sy hiring system overhaul. Uh, we, we list, you know, what you get in terms of uh, assessments, skills testing, the platform that it's on, et cetera. So, you know, you want to go into great detail about exactly and literally what you are, what, what your customer is getting, uh, with your product. Step number six. Oh, this is a good one. And this one is very, very helpful. And this really kind of, you know, I'm going to be honest. I was, I was struggling a little bit to sell this hiring system overhaul. And, um, and step number six is to preempt objections. All right. So let's decide, let's, let's think about, okay, well, what are the objections going to be? And let's just address them on the front end. So, you know, if you go to our sales page, for example, the allincompany.com, right at the top of the page, we're addressing what 
what what people's pain is with hiring. I mean, when when I've ever talked to an entrepreneur who has not gone through the hiring system overhaul, you know, when they think about um, or you or you ask them about hiring new employees, you always get this ugh, and this this pained and this. I don't want to do it. And, you know, I'd like to bury my head in the sand. And, you know, they just, t I, I think for a lot of business owners, this could be one of the most painful things in their business is when it comes to hiring new employees, partially because they just feel lost about it. They're not sure what they're doing. And, you know, when you don't have confidence about something, you, you, you kind of try to avoid it because you're not so optimistic about the results and such. So, you know, we change that right at the beginning. And, you know, we say, hey, the hiring system overhaul makes hiring fun, not stressful. We're turning the negativity into a positive. So, you know, you get the hiring system overhaul and it's going to transform you feeling stressed and uh, not having enough time and being overloaded and not being ready to hire new employees to making this fun, making it strategic, making it stress-free and, you know, almost kind of like done for you in a little bit of a semi-automated process. So number six, preempt objections. This is, it, this is, I, this is one of my favorite steps because it is fun. So, you know, what are their objections and how are you going to position yourself as being the solution to their pain points and their, and their problems? Step number seven is to price it. So when we come to pricing, everything that you've known about pricing, I'd like you to throw out the window. So, you know, I, I, I would hope that you never are pricing your product or services based off of an arbitrary number. So a lot of times I, I find entrepreneurs that have just picked a number out of the sky and say, hmm, $500 sounds like a good price to charge. Um, but the dirty little secret is, is when you factor in all of the costs that goes into selling a product or service for $500, including the marketing people, uh, you know, you're actually selling something for $500 that may cost you $600 to sell. So you're losing money. And I've seen this several times. Um, so, but, but, but even still, you know, if, if, if you're picking the arbitrary number, if we're going to sell it for four hundred, $500 and, and, and the cost of goods is four fifty, fifty $50 is not enough margin, um, really on a, on a $500 sale. So you want to be really strategic about pricing it. And, you know, a lot of factors come into play, but I'm going to, give credit to Mark Coudre, who's been on the episode, or excuse me, he's been on Profit First Nation a few times as a guest. But um, I love his analogy when it comes to pricing. So, and I probably have said this, but I'm going to repeat this. So, you know, when you think about pricing, think about FedEx, right? So FedEx will get a package from point A to point B for you, right? But they don't have just one price. They have like five different prices. So if I want to get that package from point A to point B, I can pay a super premium price and get it there by 8 a.m. next day. Or I can pay the next premium price and get it by there by 10 a.m. Or I can pay the third tier pricing and get it there by the next day in the afternoon sometime. 
The fourth tier pricing is two or three days it gets there. And the fifth tier pricing is the slow boat to China. Just kidding. It's FedEx ground, right? And it'll take a week or more to get there. So, you know, when you come to pricing, think about how valuable your pricing is in terms of, you know, the speed at which they get the results or the speed at which you deliver the product and, you know, price your items so that it is attractive. We've talked about Goldilocks pricing too, you know, like you kind of want to have things priced so that people are buying the, the middle, the, the just right uh, pricing and such. And the super premium pricing is really super premium. It's two X, what your middle price is at least. Um, but, but, also to don't say, oh, my time's worth $150 an hour. I, it's going to take me four hours to do this. So I'm going to charge $600. No, you, you never want to price thing as a function of time and rate. Um, you want to price things as a function of the value. So here's a real life example that happened the other day in terms of pricing and maybe not what to do. So, um, Ha our, our water heater went out and uh, we needed to replace it. And uh, what's interesting is I got, you know, and I Googled it to be honest, like, okay, well, how much does it, it cost to, uh, to replace a 75 gallon water heater, uh, just labor only. And um, so I Googled it. So I had, I had, I had a range. Um, it said between 400 and a thousand dollars for, for labor for that. Um, and, I like to use Yelp to just be efficient. I make these requests, you know, when the water heater goes out at 9.30 at night and you walk into your garage and there's water on the floor, but let's just move beyond that. Um, but it was interesting, you know, I got prices from $400 to $2,300. Now it takes a plumber less than 45 minutes to replace a 75 gallon water heater. Um, we had already drained it. So that saved some time too. Um, so, you know, I mean, no plumber is charging let's, and, and it takes, you know, two guys to do it. So no plumber is really valuing their, their, their time at, let's just say the thousand dollar price, $500 an hour for, for, for two guys. There's lots of things that, that go into it and such, because if they were valuing the price, then they would be, you know, it would be $300. But the $2,300 was, they must have been so busy, to be honest, that they were like, well, we can push another client who's paying us $1,000 or $1,200 and let's see how desperate this person is if they want to pay us $2,300, all right? So um, spoiler alert, uh, we went with the $1,000. We didn't go with the lowest price person. Um, you know, it became a function of, 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 of when they could do it and, and ratings and things like that. And we decided to go with a little bit on the higher side, um, not the cheapest side, but we decided to go with the $1,000, but I didn't go with the $2,300 one. But, you know, again, kudos to that guy. I'm sure he, he sometimes gets $2,300 and, and, and I'm sure he has variable pricing too. Um, you know, I was calling the night before I said I could get the hot water heater the next morning at 6am when Home Depot opened and have it there ready for him and such. So um, anyways, that's how that went in pricing. All right, now we're at the last step. Oh my goodness, this has been so much fun, hasn't it? Step number eight is manufacture scarcity. 
So um, you want to put a deadline basically on the customer making that purchase decision. So, uh, you know, sales just kind of do this on a, on a general basis, like grocery stores, I don't know in other markets, but in our market, um, the grocery store sale um, is uh, starts on Wednesday with the circular and such, and then it ends on Tuesday. But uh, what's interesting is some of the grocery stores here have like Friday deals and such that are only Friday. Um, so you know they're 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 incenting you to go probably on one of their slowest days, Friday. Who goes to the grocery store on Friday? Most people are going out to eat this at the other, or they're going to push it to the weekend. Um, but they've created um, they've created some some scarcity that, hey, this is only available for $5 on Friday and normally it's, you know, $8 any other day of the week. Uh, so you so putting a, a specific deadline to when they get it or only offering a limited number of things um, and, uh, and saying, hey, we only have 100 at this price. We only have 20 at this price. Hey, the price is going to go up. Um, once we, once, once, once we have a hundred founding members, um, so you want to manufacture scarcity, uh, and, 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 and then you got to kind of follow through. So if you say, Hey, well, once we, once we sell out at 50, the price is going to go up. You got to raise the price, you know, and, and, and to be honest, some people will kick themselves because they didn't buy it for $50 and you raise the price to $75 and, um, and now, um, the, you know, you said, okay, well, the next hundred we sell is at $75, but then we're going to raise the price again. And then when you've raised the price now to $150, boy, that person's like, oh my gosh, I could have gotten this for half off. I'm, I'm going to buy. I believe them. They, they keep raising the price and such. So, uh, you know, Renee, for example, with, uh, with Dog Perfect, her, um, her, her product that is at home dog training, um, you know, that price has risen significantly. The all-in company, you know, our hiring system overhaul, oh my gosh, like the people who were in our first beta really got it for such a deal. Um, and I won't disclose uh, what they paid for versus what we're, what we're offering now. But, you know, again, you want to manufacture scarcity. Um, we got those first people to do our beta. They're still members of our program. Um, but everyone else who's come into the program has paid subsequently higher prices. And now we've landed on our final price, which again, way higher than, than, than where we, where we started or how we've evolved into that and such. So there you have it, my entrepreneurial friends, uh, grab the resource please for this episode by going to profitfirstnation.com and click on contact where you can opt in to our resources and, um, cheers to another profitable day. My entrepreneurial friends. Thanks for tuning in to the profit first nation podcast. We hope you found today's episode valuable and that it's inspired you to take action towards achieving permanent profitability in your business. If you want to learn more about how to implement Profit First in your business and connect with a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, be sure to visit us at ProfitFirstNation.com to download our how-to guides and resources. Remember, permanent profitability is within your reach, and we're here to support you every step of the way. So let's do Profit First right together.
First Nation website, related podcasts and videos are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.